Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy and what a delight to be with you on this Friday, January the 29th of 2021. As always, we consider it a privilege and an honor to be able to come to you and that you, uh, the listener, can spend some time with us in the Word, discussing, studying the Word of God, and, and, and seeing what God is saying in this hour. Today on this podcast, once again, we are joined uh, uh, by Brother Fernando and myself. We are manning the fort. <laughs> we, uh, we are here to, to study the Word, missing um, uh, Brother Marty, our dear brother, we love. Uh, this whole week, uh, missing his voice and really the insights that God gives him. But we are here, and God has been speaking to us. I believe he has, and we've been in the book of Matthew, and we have been seeing different uh, in different places how it's all parallel to where we're heading, what is taking place in this hour. So we want to give the Word of God all the opportunity and all the, uh, the, uh, the leeway and the time as possible. So, Brother Fernando, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study and discuss the Word of God together. As a reminder, before I give it to you, continue to pray for the Chacon family and for the Martinez family in this hour that God will continue to strengthen them. And uh, so, Brother Fernando, we'll leave it to you as we continue. Amen. Welcome to today's podcast, uh, today's um, teaching of the Word of God. Um, we're going to give it the title, uh, Baptism by Fire. Uh, Baptism by Fire, uh, taken out of Matthew chapter 3. Uh, we just want to thank you again for your continuous uh, prayers for uh, our brother, Brother Marty, and his beautiful family, Sister Debbie, and, and, and the girls, the Martinez family, and uh, the Chacon family. Sister Beulah, uh, their children, um, you know, as they go through this, uh, these times of, uh, you know, um, hardship or, 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 or mourning. And, and we know that uh, um, the Lord will give them strength and give them favor and, and, and above all, shed his, his love over their lives. Um, so continue to pray for them. And, uh, uh, it's definitely much needed and, and absolutely uh, much received. So without further ado, let's get into the Word of God, into Matthew chapter 3. Um, and we're going to have Pastor Jeremy read. Uh, I'm going to say the whole chapter. I usually don't do this, but I want, I want the people to, to really get a sense of, of the chapter uh, and again, um, what we're intending to do is is to ultimately find Jesus. That's the key to understanding Scripture. We must find Jesus. And in finding Jesus, we will begin to understand the unfolding plan of God, the unfolding plan of the ages, um, as, as the Lord has revealed it and has hid it in his word. Uh, we're trying to, to, to glean from Scripture the hidden revelation that God has left and reserved for this end time generation. I believe by the grace of God, we are beginning to see, um, you know, these truths, this revel these revelations opening up in our time. And it's for our preparation, and they are written for our admonition to whom the ends of the worlds are come to. Amen. And, and we have been studying the life and ministry of, of Jesus Christ, 
from the very opening of the New Testament, uh, we begin to see types and shadows of the Exodus um, being fulfilled in, in Christ's life and ministry. Uh, we, 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 we were teaching yesterday, um, before we get into Matthew chapter 3 and, and read the, the whole chapter, uh, we were talking yesterday how chapter 2 of Matthew uh, is, is a type and shadow of what we see taking place in the Exodus um, and, and, and so forth and so on. And we brought forth how um, Revelation uh, chapter 11 verse 8 um, tells us that, you know, it, it gives us indication when it says in their dead bodies, the bodies of the two witnesses, uh, that will be prophesied in Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, shall lie in the street of the great city. They're going to lie dead. They, they will be killed in that great city, Jerusalem. And, and Jerusalem is given spiritual names, spiritual Sodom and Egypt. There it is, spiritual Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So there is a key there that the spirit that was moving in Jerusalem in the days of Christ was the spirit of Egypt, and it ultimately killed Jesus or crucified Jesus, right? So we see that the spirit that's moving through King Herod in Matthew chapter 2 is the same spirit that was moving uh, through, really through the pharaohs, um, uh, 400 years, right, of, 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 of captivity and slavery in, in, uh, uh, in Egypt from, from Exodus chapter 1, the, the, the new pharaoh that arose into power who knew not Joseph, right? Um, and, 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 and you fast forward some 400 years later, and there's a, a new pharaoh in, in, in power, and Moses is sent to deal with this pharaoh, who is a type ultimately of the son of perdition, the Antichrist. So we see this spirit of Egypt that was over these pharaohs and, 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 and who had a thirst to enslave God's people and to kill God's people, right? It's the same drunkenness the book of revelation calls that that is over king herod he's drunken with the blood of the martyrs he's drunken and thirsty for 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 blood for for those who follow jesus christ and in particular he's after uh the child jesus christ that's ultimately what this world system wants to get rid of wants to kill it's the name of jesus that's what they're after, and they're coming after Christians. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear, everything that is happening, the narrative that's going forth in the, in the media, the narrative that's going forth that you see in, in all aspects of our society, whether entertainment, whether it's entertainment, whether it's sports, whether it's the economy, and, and you go down the list, the, the, the healthcare system, you know, uh, we see the influence, satanic influence over every fiber and aspect of our society, and it's geared towards one thing. That is to kill Jesus Christ, to eliminate him, to eliminate his followers. And that's what the Bible seems to be indicating that we are going to face in these last days if we have, to, if we have eyes, to see and to he, and, and eyes to see and ears to hear. What the Bible seems to be indicating to us is that there is an hour of temptation coming upon the earth, upon his people. The book of Revelation chapter 3 says that when the Lord speaks to the church of Philadelphia, that an hour of temptation is coming. An hour of great trial, of a fiery trial is coming. An hour of testing. Right? 
We know that 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 uh, the the children of Israel, when they went into the wilderness and they crossed the Red Sea, uh, the sea represented the crossing of the Red Sea, as we're going to read here, represents a baptism into suffering, into testing, into trial. And that's exactly what took place once they crossed the Red Sea. They were tested, they were tried, they were tempted. But like the Bible says, that 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 we're not going to be tempted with, with something, you know, that's out of this world, but that is common to man. But he's also made a way of escape. God is not unreasonable. He is going to test us and try us, but he's not going to test us and try us and tempt us with something that is unreasonable that we cannot overcome. But there is a reason he is doing it. He must test us and try us. Why? Because he did it with his own son. When Jesus came to this world, when he came out of the water, baptized of, 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 of John the Baptist in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit led him directly, as were the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, to, to the wilderness where Satan would tempt him. And, and, and if we study scripture, if we really study deeply, we see that the temptation that is coming to God's people is allowed by God, and, he, and Satan is given uh, some leadway to be involved in this temptation and testing that is coming to God's people. How do we know that? Well, we know in, in scripture that uh, in the book of Job, we see just that where God allows Job to test and to tempt and to, and to bring a trial to, to Job. But ultimately, Job passes the test. And by passing the test, he comes to the understanding of the bigger picture that, that, that God is up to something bigger. God is up to something bigger. He's trying to bring about a complete restoration a reconciliation of all things that were stained and tainted by the rebellion of Satan himself. And ultimately, mankind, be, be, uh, uh, you know, tasted of that rebellion. And because of it, sin entered into this world. We became participants of this rebellion uh, when Adam and Eve uh, ate of that fruit. But in Christ, we are now redeemed. We are saved through his precious blood. We see also an instance, uh, and, and Pastor Jeremy, you brought it up earlier when we were talking, uh, um, you know, off the air, I say, but, uh, you know, before we got into the podcast, uh, about how uh, the Bible tells us that that uh, Satan, Satan asked for Peter. And the Lord told him, hey, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. I've allowed him to test you and to try you to try you. Because remember, Peter thought that he was ready, but he really wasn't. What did he declare right after? He said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and die for you. And, and, and the Lord was like, no, three times you're going to deny me. You're not ready. You're going to fail this test miserably. But I know, but I know your heart. I know that because of it, you're going to become a better man. And ultimately, Peter was martyred. He died for the gospel. 
Amen? So we see that this is what's coming to the world. We see it in types of shadows in the Exodus. All that took place in the Exodus is a picture of what is taking place in these last days. We see even Jesus partaking of the things that we will go through. The reason we see that in Christ's life and ministry, a types and shadow of the Exodus, right? Uh, 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 we see him in chapter 4 of, of, of Matthew being tempted of the devil. He, he, he did it for us because we couldn't do it. We failed miserably in, in, in the wilderness, right, uh, in the Exodus. They failed miserably where only two people had entered into the promised land, a small remnant which is a picture of what will take place in the last days where the hour of temptation will come, a suffering, a testing, a trial. And not many are going to make it. Amen? Why? Why? Because they are not prepared. Because they weren't prepared by the leadership, the spiritual leadership. They weren't prepared by the preachers. And in Matthew chapter 3, uh, we see just that. We see John the Baptist's messages to the leadership of Israel. And basically, John is declaring to them, listen, it's inspection time. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. And it starts with you, the leadership of Israel, the preachers. He spoke about how there is a baptism. There is one that's greater than him that would come. And that when he he would come, he would baptize him with Holy Ghost and with fire. There is a baptism of fire coming our way. Amen. And that's what we're going to begin to read. And I pray that the Lord will open our eyes because, again, I believe that the word is replete and is warning us that, A trial is coming. An hour of temptation is coming. A Gethsemane is coming. Amen. So let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 3, and let's read the whole verse, and then uh, we'll we'll, we'll start. Go ahead, Pastor. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able 
of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth fruit, not forth good fruit, is honed down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened and unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, light, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We have some incredible parallels and shadows here from the close of, of Malachi to the, 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 the inception or the beginning of John the Baptist ministry. Some 400 years had, had passed um, and gone by where there was no prophetic voice until John shows up in the, into the scene. And we also have that same parallel and shadow in, in the 400 years of slavery and captivity that Israel found themselves in, in the land of Egypt. And what, what these 400 years of, 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 uh, of no voice, no open vision had created in the nation, in particular with the spiritual leadership of the nation. It had, cre you know, the, 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 the spiritual leadership of Israel had become so entrenched with, with Rome and, 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 and political power. Um, and, and, you know, the word of God had become so compromised and corrupted, right, that it brought about a sense of relaxation of of entitlement and arrogance, and, and ultimately, you know, they, they became like hypocrites. They were hypocrites. But the spiritual leadership had come under satanic influence because the, uh, John the Baptist said that their father was who? Satan himself, the devil. So what's amazing here is that we, 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 we read that John comes into the scene. He begins to proclaim a message. And this is what we in these last days must begin to look out for and, and understand and see. That as it was, at, you know, uh, in the beginning, so shall it be at the end. 
John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus Christ, to his first coming, his first appearing, to the beginning of his earthly ministry. And so shall it be at the end. We must understand that before Jesus Christ comes to the earth in his second coming, that there will be a prophetic ministry like John the Baptist who will begin to proclaim what? This message right here in verse 2 says, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, as saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is the message. This is the message that will be proclaimed in these last days and that will begin to warn people and tell people that Jesus is coming. He says, Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And it says, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. That is some strange apparel and strange meat to eat. Right? But you have to understand this, that God had separated John from the religious establishment of his day and John was being taught of the Lord, separated of the Lord, to almost to, to look apart. Not for the sake of looking apart, but the message that he had. Yes. Was that, that, to that be message. a message that was not... Go ahead. No, no, I just want to say, it, it had to be a message that had to be distinguished. And right. that's what it had to be away from from the uh, synagogue, from the temple, what was being preached, it had to be in the wilderness so that it could be mm-hmm. distinguished, right? That's why God had to set him yes. apart. I just wanted to interject that. I think that's, that's powerful what, what you're saying because the message of today uh, that we're talking about is different, right, <laughs> than what you hear yes. on Christian television. But it has to be distinguished yes. in this hour. And remember, and John had every right to to be in the temple. He was a Levite. He had a right to be in the temple. But the temple had been so corrupted and had come under a satanic influence that God had to separate this man and take him to the wilderness and 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 to, to you know to to give him a, a message like he that that like you said that that had to be. A, a message that was not like that which was being preached in the temple or that was coming out of the temple or emanating from the temple. His message was that Jesus was coming. Obviously, the leadership of Israel was not preaching that or teaching that to the people because when Jesus comes and begins you know, his earthly ministry, the people are unaware of who he is. Again, that's a type of shadow of what we're dealing with today because there is no preaching on the coming of Jesus Christ because the, because the, the, the religious leadership of, of this nation in particular has become so relaxed and, and, and so arrogant, you know, and the truth of the matter is there is no voice calling them out. You know, I mean, it's gotten to the point where the, 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 the church in America thinks, like Brother Marty said, they are the only church in the world. And that whatever trials and persecutions 
are happening in third world countries to our brothers and sisters, that's them, but it won't happen to us here because, you know, we're, we're a nation under God and we're a blessed nation. And, and, and it's an arrogance, right, right. That, that, that is upon the, the church in America. But it says something so beautiful that when they, the people begin to hear John's message, in verse 5, it says they went out to him. They went out to, to him. Then went out to excuse me. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. The people begin to gravitate towards the message that was being proclaimed by John, the message of the coming of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what John uh, came in. He came in the power and spirit of Elijah to make ready a people for what the Scripture says for the coming of the Lord. Listen. If your ministry, if you as a preacher, if that is not your message today, if that is not your message today, then woe is you. Because inspection time is coming. Right? And that's exactly, uh, it says in verse 6, and we're baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. A repentance began to take place through this message, the message of the coming of Jesus, the message of Jesus. That's what we need today. Exactly, brother. Go ahead, Pastor. That, that, that's, that's the first thing that we see, that the, the first results of this message is that it calls people, the message of John the Baptist, it calls them to confess their sins, to repent, right? And and, and that's the mm-hmm. other thing we have to, we have to, as preachers, Preachers have to, we, we have to see, is, it, is the message they're preaching causing, are they calling people to repentance? Because that's the way John started his ministry, and Jesus continued, continued it by saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so Amen. we see that this message was distinguishable because it, it's, number one, it brought people to repentance, to confess their sins. To realize their 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 loneliness, to realize their condition. Out. Yes, and it says in verse seven, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, so so Jerusalem, you know, the, the temple uh, leadership began to send their spies and to gather information about what was happening in, in uh, with with John and, and his ministry. And they're standing there as he's baptizing people. And he said unto them, O generation of vipers. Basically, you're, you're, the seat, you're, you're the sons of the devil, of the adder, of the venomous snake, of the venomous serpent. And he said this. Wow. This is incredible. Wow. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Hmm. Now think about that for a moment. What he's basically saying is this. He says, look, you teach the people to flee from the wrath that is to come. But you are so arrogant and you have become so hypocritical that you believe what you're teaching them is not going to affect you and that you are exempt from it. So he asked them the question, 
You're teaching the people about these things, but who's teaching you? <laughs> wow. wow. Who's teaching you? you? Who's warning you yeah. to flee from the wrath that is to come? Notice, John's ministry is a ministry that warns the spiritual leadership of Israel of the wrath that is to come if they don't repent. At the same time, God is raising up a ministry in this hour. You know, I think about how this whole podcast started. You know, we started doing this this podcast almost a year. And, and, you know, we were just going about our life, and, 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 and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit, and, and, and you, myself, and, and Brother Marty, and, and we said, you know what? Enough is enough. We've seen what these preachers have done to the nation, and, and the nation is in the mess they're in, and it's happened on their watch. We said, we have to say something. You know, the people, they're, they're, they're hurting. They've been deceived. They've been taught incorrectly. But who's calling out the preachers? Right. Right. It's their fault. It's not the Democrats' fault. It's the preachers' fault. It's the reason why we find ourselves in the situation we find ourselves today. And I want you to see what Scripture tells us here um the the attitude and 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 how relaxed the attitude of the religious leader of Israel, uh, religious leaders of Israel have become and it and it's and it's and it parallels and mirrors the same attitude of preachers in America. Look what it says. He says uh bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Think about the arrogance of the religious leadership of Israel. They're like, you know, we're the children of God. Nothing's going to happen to us. You know, we're, we're a blessed nation. We're a blessed people. Persecution, trials, temptations. No, not us. What does that sound like? Correct. It sounds like the false prophets of today. The other day I was hearing one of the false prophets. Uh, Here in this nation, there was a few of them. And basically what he said, it was on YouTube, and and I mentioned it the other time on the podcast, but I'll say it again because I think it goes well with what we're saying. He said, some of us, have are repenting prematurely. God is still going to move in this nation. Mm. In other words, almost chastising us for repenting or taking that attitude. Like, no. You know, we we can look. You know, and 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 still in the midst of their false prophecies, they are not relenting. They are hammering down and saying, "No, we're right. Revival is coming." You know, what do you mean repentance? Look at the arrogance, the arrogance of these false ministers, prophets. But as you said, John, there's a ministry that God is, is, is raising up that is calling the leadership to repentance, that is calling them out. 
and you know what? They'll hear this and they'll say, no, they're coming against us. They're, they're just, you know, <laughs> right. don't touch God's anointed. Who are you to say that? And, and blah, 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 blah. But he calls them, he tells them, you bring forth fruits meet for repentance. See, the fact right. is, even before we call the people the preachers, he's calling first the preacher. That's you, that's me. To repentance, to, because we cannot ask of them something that we are not able to do. And, mm. and I think it's very powerful that God had to put John the Baptist, the Baptist aside in the wilderness. And as you said, he was a Levite, right? He had yeah. the right to be a synagogue. God said, you're going right. to let your heart get contaminated. You're going to bring a message and you're going to call them out. But that's what this pandemic yep. is doing. It has exposed the condition mm. first of our pulpit. It has exposed first our attitude, our American gospel. While others, as you said, are suffering. And we think that, no, that doesn't apply to us. Let me tell you something. Everything is coming to light. Everything. And that's why what you're bringing out is it's, it's so crucial, Brother Fernando. He... Who, you know, you ask the question, who is bringing to, you know, who, who is who is confronting, who is speaking to the ministry, to the ministers? Yeah, and, and whenever we do, yeah, and whenever yeah. we do, you know, you're touching the sacred cows of people, their favorite minister, right? But, but, but look, you know, at the end of the day, the acts, is being laid unto the root of the trees. Right. This is what has happened. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, to the root of all these mega church ministries, and the Lord himself is inspecting them. He said, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. This is what we're seeing today, church. If you have eyes to see, God is inspecting the ministry, the spiritual leadership of this nation and around the world to see where they have led God's people, to see if there's fruit in their ministry, if there's fruit in what they declare. Now, we're not used to seeing a Jesus like this or preaching a Jesus like this. But this is what John the Baptist came forth declaring. It necessitated this kind of message. He was declaring the coming of the Lord, and he was coming, and he was about to inspect his people. He was about to baptize his people, as he did in, in the book of Acts, right, chapter 2, with Holy Ghost and fire. Right, and, and again, when we think of, of, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the fire, we think about speaking in tongues and the whole Pentecostal uh, movement, right, you right. know, and, and right. experience, experience, right. and, and that's right. great, you know, and, and, and it's a right. great experience. I, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but but it, 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 it's speaking of something much more deeper. Remember, the Holy Ghost. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is to bring about a separation in our lives between the flesh and the spirit. 
right? From 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 right. from from this world to prepare us for the King, for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, to point us to Jesus. The Spirit will lead us into all truth, right? He's leading us somewhere, and we're going to talk about what what that baptism by fire. Uh, the baptism uh, of the Holy Ghost with fire is speaking about. And what we're going to learn is that it's speaking about a suffering that is coming, a trial, a testing, a temptation that we must endure. All believers who are, who call themselves spirit-filled, must understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism of fire. It's a baptism that is going to prepare us to meet Jesus. All right? So so it says, uh, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Notice what he says next. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge, notice, his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is incredible. All right, he says, whose fan is in his hand. He just spoke about that Jesus, one who is mightier and greater than John. John baptized the people in the Jordan River, but there's one that's coming, Jesus, who will baptize his people with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And it says, whose fan is in his hand. Right, and he shall thoroughly purge his floor, his people, those who call themselves believers in Jesus Christ. He is going to purge. That word purge means a cleansing is coming, a separation is coming between the chaff and the wheat. Now, now I think there's, there's, there's a key and an insight in this process that will help us understand better what took place in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, uh, book of Acts, when, when, when the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, you know, came, right, as, as Jesus had prophesied. You know, that he will send forth a comforter, right, the Holy Spirit. The process of, of, of separation of the chaff and the wheat, um, you know, it says whose fan is in his hand. The fan is a winnowing fan. And the way you get the wheat, the way you, you gather wheat, there's a process to it. You, 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 you get the, uh, the sheaves of the wheat, the stalk, right, and you beat the stalk on the threshing floor. You beat the stalk so it can release the wheat, right? But with the wheat, there's also dry, uh, some dry husk, what we call uh, chaff. So it is a, a, a violent thing where you begin to, 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 to beat the, the stalk on the threshing floor. It releases the wheat and the chaff. But there still remains another process. In order to separate the chaff, which the scripture talks about here, and that he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire from the wheat, which he will gather into his garner, you have to, uh, there's a process where you toss, right, 
you toss the, 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 the wheat and the chaff in the air. Right. And then the wind takes away the lighter dry husk or chaff and separates it from the wheat. And you do that process until all you have is just pure wheat. The wheat is a type of the true believer, the wise. The chaff is, is of those that are compromised and who are wicked and who love this world and don't love his appearing. Now, I said, remember, that it is the wind that comes and separates the two, the chaff and the wheat. Isn't that exactly what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2? Let's read. We can go there quickly. Acts, chapter 2, we see the same process taking place spiritually. And if you can read, uh, Pastor, from uh, verse 1 to verse 4. Yes. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house. A mighty, a mighty wind. Go ahead, Pastor. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There it is. It says, a mighty rushing wind came, right? And they were sitting. They were all filled that were in the house. And it says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. There is the prophecy of John in Matthew 3. But what is this, this baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire? What, what, what is it speaking to us about? It is a baptism of suffering and of a trial of persecution that came upon the church right after this happened. We read in chapter 2, if we continue reading that, that uh, uh, Peter preaches the inaugural message of the church and 3,000 people are saved and they're all baptized, right? And then in chapter 3, we read that uh, uh, Peter and John go to the temple and, and by the gate called Beautiful, there's a lame man from his mother's womb who's been lame from his mother's womb and he's collecting alms and, and, and he, asks, he asks of the disciples to give him alms and, and, and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that this man went into the temple, into the temple where the religious leadership was at, and they saw all of this. And Peter begins to preach and to declare the gospel. And look what happens. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and with fire. Look what happens in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. And I'll go ahead and read it, Pastor. 
And as they spoke unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Persecution. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Think about that. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So through the, through, through the imprisonment of these men, 5,000 people believed and were saved. Remember what it says in the book of Exodus, the more they afflicted the children of Israel, the more they grew, the more they waxed stronger. This is what the baptism of the Holy Ghost and of fire is a type of, is a preparation for the church to endure a temptation, to endure a trial that's ahead, to endure a persecution that's ahead. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 3. Look what it says. And that's what it ultimately brings about. The persecution will bring about a separation between the true church and the false church. The false church will not want to endure these things. The true church will begin to prepare itself for it. As, That's why it's the separation of the of the wheat and the chaff. Go ahead, brother. Right. As you mentioned, the beautiful story we find in the, uh, Luke 21, doesn't Jesus do the same thing to Peter in, in warning him when he calls him Simon? Simon means to hearken. Simon, Simon, the, the devil has asked, uh, had desired to have you, and then he describes that as 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 a as as being sick as weak. That's the way Jesus describes it. He was warning mm-hmm. him of what was to come, the trial of his faith. And he and he noticed the prayer he makes is not Lord that he will not go through the sick. He says that when you go through it, that your faith will not fail you. You know, many people can yeah. say, well, you know, he was speaking to him about the denial of, of, of him. But he, I believe Jesus was speaking about much more after his resurrection in the book of Acts of the trials that he would face. Right? It, it encompasses yeah. everything, especially at the end of his life. So I think it's important. Yes. Even Jesus. But he didn't say Peter. He said Simon. Simon means hearken. He's saying hearken, hearken, Peter. Hearken, hearken, church. Hearken, hearken, listener. This is what's going to happen at the end of time. But I have prayed mm-hmm. already that your faith will not fail when the trial comes, when the sifting, persecution comes, that your faith will not fail. Tremendous. Amen. And it says that, Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him, verse 13 of Matthew uh, chapter 3. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Kind of like Peter, right, when Jesus was going to wash his feet. He said, no, no, no. It should be the other way around. 
can't wash my feet, right? It, it, but but what Peter didn't understand in, in 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 that account was that the washing of the feet was in preparation for the suffering, persecution, and trials that would come when Jesus would leave this earth, and we read about it in the book of Acts, right? And, and, and Brother Marty, uh, you know, we've done teachings on it of how the feet, you know, speak of a washing, a preparation for for a, a coming persecution. Remember when when Jesus was uh, was uh, anointed by uh, by Mary with the with the alabaster box, right? She broke the alabaster box. It says that she first anointed his head. Right? I think Matthew and and Mark speak about that she anointed his head. And I think the gospel of John speaks about that she also anointed his feet. And we, we brought forth uh, the principle that we find in scripture that the head always speaks of the beginning and the feet speak of an end time. And we get that principle, we find it as well in the book of Daniel. Remember the image that Daniel saw? He saw the head of gold. The, the chest and, and arms of silver and so forth and so on, all the way down to the ten toes, right? The 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 right. the the head to the all the way to the ten toes speaks of succession. It speaks of history unfolding. So we see that principle in scripture and, and Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that thou O king are that head of gold. So we see in the anointing of Jesus' body by Mary when she broke the alabaster box and anointed his head, she anointed his head because he is the head. He is the beginning, and he would begin to show his disciples through his life and through his sufferings what would take place in their lives. But when Jesus anoints or, or washes Peter's feet, we were bringing forth that that speaks prophetically of the end-time generation. So by washing Peter's feet, he was in essence preparing an end-time generation through go through a persecution. Amen? Which is so powerful. And, and, and remember this. Go to Matthew 26 where we read about the account where uh, Mary washes his head. Matthew 26 says this, now that we're there, and talking about it. It says this. Verse 3, And they assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas. Here we see the religious leadership of Israel taking counsel together to what? And they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtility or through craft to trick him into saying something and kill him. The spirit of persecution being set in motion to kill Jesus. Right. But, it, but they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. And then we have the story of, of the anointing of Jesus' head before, you know, before his burial and before his death. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, the same house of Simon, the leper, there came unto him a woman 
have an alabaster box of every precious of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. Incredible. Talks of killing Jesus were already being discussed. And the Holy Spirit by design gives us the story of this woman. In anointing Jesus, he was being anointed to go through his suffering through his persecution, through his trial, right? But when Jesus, on Passover day, or or, or the day before Passover, leading up to Passover, you know, in in the Last Supper, he, he, he washes Peter's feet. It's prophetically speaking, if we can see it, speaking about an end time generation that he has prepared to go through this baptism of the Holy Ghost and with fire, just as it was in the beginning in the book of Acts. Amen. And let's let's go back to Matthew chapter 3, and let's continue reading. It says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. This is verse 15. For thus has become us for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, then he suffered him. And, Je- and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well. Please. I want you to go quickly. And we're going to close with these points here that I want to bring forth. First um, Corinthians chapter 10, and we spoke about it early, right, pa- uh, Pastor Jeremy? Uh, we're going to read from uh, from yeah. verse verse two. First Corinthians yeah. chapter 10, verse two, and read verse three and four as well. Right. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Amen. Amen. So what? what so here the Apostle Paul speaks of the children of Israel uh, going through the Red Sea. He calls it a baptism. Think about that. He calls it a baptism. And he's, and they're going to cross over to the Red Sea, and they will spend 40 years in the wilderness being tried of the Lord, being tested of the Lord. The Bible says that they tested God. Instead of them embracing the testing, they fought against it, and they tested God. And because of that, they did not enter into the promised land. We must be very careful, saints of God, that we do not fight what God is trying to do in the middle of all this chaos that is going on in the world. Make There is no doubt about it. We are being tested. We are being tried. We are being tempted. But again, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, you know, I'll read from verse 11 says, not all these, not all these things happen unto them for, for in samples. 
and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So we see here that we are going through an hour of temptation. We're headed towards that great hour of temptation. We're being tested right now. We're being tested right now. So in, in type and shadow, when, when Jesus is baptized uh, uh, in the Jordan River of John the Baptist, he, he is literally declaring his suffering. He is literally declaring, because remember, when John saw him, uh, I think in another gospel, it, it says that when John saw him coming, he, he, he declared, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, the suffering Lamb. The baptism of John, uh, when, when, uh, of, of Jesus being baptized of John, speaks of a suffering. It speaks of a trial. It speaks of a temptation because that's exactly what happens next in chapter 4 of Matthew. He goes to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's tempted of who? The devil. But we know that he came out of that wilderness with flying colors and passed the test full of the spirit. And he came out declaring the gospel, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is at hand. Look at what it says here. Pay close attention. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Notice what it says. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The eating of the spiritual meat and the drinking of the spiritual drink in the wilderness with the children of Israel was in type and shadow a type of communion. And what does communion signify? What does it point to? It, it speaks to Jesus' sufferings. Right. It speaks to the breaking of his body and the drinking of his blood. The baptism, of, uh, uh, the, the, the baptism unto Moses. Right, the baptism unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They speak of a preparation, a baptism into trying, into trials, into suffering, into to 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 testing. If you can see it. And that's why the apostle Paul, now check this out in the next chapter, first Corinthians chapter eleven, begins to expound on what it is that we're doing when we take communion. Let's go there quickly. Uh, chapter 11, verse 23. Look what he says. Play, pay close attention. 
He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, notice what it says here. This is a part that when we take communion, we miss a lot. That That the Lord Jesus, same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So what the Apostle Paul is saying, pay close attention to what communion is all about. Communion was had with Jesus' disciples, right? And, and, and the Bible tells us that that night he was betrayed, Gethsemane happened right after the Last Supper. And we see that Judas shows up to Gethsemane. We've been speaking about it for a while now, that there is a Gethsemane period coming, a Gethsemane time to the church. If we have eyes to see, right? Where we must surrender our will to the Lord to embrace what's ahead. And what's ahead? What was ahead for Jesus Christ was the cross. It was where he would die. But at the same time, in the night that he was betrayed, there was also a separation that took place. We see the son of perdition goes to the religious leadership of Israel, and and, and both of them uh, begin to plot to betray Jesus, and, and, and he betrays Jesus. He sells them out. But we also see that the Lord is left with his true disciples, those that, that would ultimately preach the gospel in the book of Acts. A separation takes place. That's leading to a Gethsemane and ultimately a suffering, right? And so, so we have to pay close attention. And all this, by the way, the night that Jesus was betrayed, it was Passover. It was all leading to Passover. Hallelujah. And it says that, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had stopped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. Notice what you show. Till he come. Incredible. Till he comes. What does that mean? When you, and this is so powerful. When next time you take communion, think about this, what you're doing. Because there's many that have taken communion. But in the last days, we'll betray Jesus just like Judas did, and that's the damnation. Right. That's the damnation, a betrayal of Jesus Christ in the last days, because many will resist to be tested and to be tried 
to be inspected by him. Think about that for a moment. Whenever you take whenever whenever you take communion, the apostle Paul tells us to remember the night in which he was betrayed. Because in in in, in type when you take his body and eat it and drink his blood when you're taking communion, you in essence are saying I am in fellowship with his sufferings. And what you're really saying as well is that I have made a vow. I have made a decision to follow Jesus all the days of my life, even if it costs me my life. I am in fellowship with his sufferings until he comes. Incredible. You're partaking of it. You're in fellowship with his sufferings. You're not ashamed of yes. his sufferings. Yes. You're declaring to the world, do what you have to do, but I, even if you take my life, I'm going to declare his name. Right? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and, and even to the point where giving up their life was worth it if it needed to come to that place. But what you also declare is that I'm not going to betray him like Judas did. Incredible. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Incredible. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. What he's saying here is that Judas was ultimately damned because he betrayed Jesus. And he he dipped his bread in the cup. He partook of communion. But he separated himself and lost his soul. That's why it's such a holy thing when we partake of communion. Do we know what we're declaring? Do we know what we are doing? Do you know what it speaks about? That's why it says again in chapter in chapter uh chapter ten of first Corinthians, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But that whole generation was damned and died in the wilderness. They partook of this communion, but they fought the testing, the temptation. They fought against it. They tested God. Only two men entered the promised land. Only two men. 
I'll end with this. An inspection is coming, a separation is coming. You, you spoke about it. Uh, let me just read it before we close. I, I feel I need to. Luke 22. If you have it, Luke 22. The disciples are arguing about who will be the greatest amongst them. Verse 27 says, For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, it's not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serves. And he said this, verse 28, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. In his sufferings. Those are the true children of the kingdom. Those don't, that don't deny or fight against the sufferings of Jesus Christ, but embrace them and have fellowship with his sufferings. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, verse 29, as my father had appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he said to Peter, which you were speaking about, Pastor, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother or thy brethren. Look what Peter says. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter thought he was ready to suffer for Jesus Christ, but he wasn't. Many of our many of us are faith is being tested right now. And we realize that many of us have failed in keeping up with the things of God, seeking his face, studying the word. But that doesn't mean that it's over. While there is time, there's, you know, there's still hope. We have to look at this situation that we're going through, this pandemic, as, as an opportunity to get things right with God. Yes. To prepare ourselves, to prepare our homes for what's coming. Don't fight what's coming. Isn't this, isn't this the vow we made to him when we got saved? Isn't this... Why we came to Jesus? Because we came to the end of our lives and, and we accepted the gift of salvation that he gave us. And, and, and at the end of the day, scripture tells us, if any man will come after me, right, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We must be willing to 
give up our lives if it comes down to it. I know that's hard kind of uh, preaching nowadays, but it's a reality everywhere, you know, everywhere around the world, in China, in the Middle East. Christians are giving up their lives. But we have been fed this this fluffed up, you know, arrogant, you know, self-centered kind of gospel here in America that we have no idea what the gospel truly is. A baptism by fire. First Peter 4.12, and I'll finish with this, says this. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of God, for the spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Hallelujah. But let him glorify God on his behalf, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. That's exactly John's message, John the Baptist. And if it first begin at, at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Hallelujah. Take courage, my brother and my sister. Yes, we are in times of testing and trial, but that's because we're heading somewhere. We're heading to heaven. We're on our way there. We must go through this baptism of fire, this fiery trial. We will have our wilderness experience. But our Joshua, our heavenly Joshua, is going to lead us to a promised land. Amen. 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 And well, please excuse me if you hear any rain, that noise in the background. It's, it's raining hev- heavily where I'm at. But I, I do want to finish off with some thoughts of today's study. You know, Brother Fernando, I think we've come to the point as we tell our listeners today that we are going to have to make a decision if we're going mm-hmm. to drink of the Lord's cup or if we're not. Now, most people will say, oh, I'm willing to drink of the Lord's cup, but understand that, that while it is a blessing, it also comes and it, it, it entails suffering. That's what we do when we drink the Lord's cup what you said, brother, and, and, and you know what? We don't see it like this. We just see it as communion and, and you know, doing it in remembrance of him. We cry, you know, Jesus died. No, we are declaring something when we partake of it, that we are embracing what comes with this cup. But if you do not drink of the Lord's cup, you will drink of the cup of Judas, of the devil, 
something that what 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 Paul tells us in in chapter ten of First Corinthians, what we've been reading, I think around sixteen, seventeen, or eighteen, one of those verses where it says that he said you cannot drink of part, you cannot drink of the Lord's cup, and also drink of of the devil's cup. You cannot mm. partake of the Lord's bread and also of the devil's bread. We're going to have to make a decision. That is what's being laid on in our, our at our feet today to our listeners. That if we are going to partake of the Lord's cup, we must know what comes with it. Suffering, trial is in that cup. But at the end, hallelujah, God will make an escape for us. God, there is a blessing, an eternal blessing that comes with it. But we must make a decision. What cup? You can't drink of both of them. You cannot have it by both ways. You cannot, you know, embrace this gospel in America and say, I'm going to drink the Lord's cup. You're not able to. Yeah. Another gospel that we hear here. It's not a gospel that, that, that requires sacrifice even to the point of giving right. your life. That's not the gospel that, that the Bible preaches about. It's one that when we made the decision, when we got saved, we have joined the Lord's army. We are committed to even giving our lives. Lord, help us. If that's what it costs. What a tremendous... You know, you know Brother Jeremy, uh, you know... <laughs> we don't want to sound like we, we we take pleasure in suffering. I don't think anybody wants to go through that. You know, like we're some kind of masochist, right? And, and, you know, well, you guys are just talking about suffering and persecution and I'm just telling you what the Bible says. <laughs> I'm just a guy from, uh, that grew up in San Francisco, you know, in the streets of San Fran and, and uh, started reading the Bible. And I believed what it said. That's it. I believe what it says. You know, and, you know, <laughs> the Apostle Paul said, remember, he said, but let a man examine himself when he takes communion. Remember when when Jesus told the disciples in the Last Supper when they were taking communion on the, day, on the night he was betrayed, he said, There's, he basically told them, There's, one of you is going to betray me. And what did, he, what did the disciples begin to say? Is it I? Another one said, is it I? They had to examine themselves to make sure they weren't the one. There's many people that, are, that have sat in the, in the table of communion. As the coming of the Lord approaches, That will betray him. That's just the truth. We must examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith daily. And we can only do that in his presence. Only he can reveal the hidden things in our hearts when we seek him and through his word. It's only him. I'm telling the Lord, what I'm reading in Scripture, I don't want to go through. But it's here. You know, I mean, look around you. 
Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Make his path straight. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. I, I pray, you know, and that's what we want to do is encourage you. But in declaring the truth, we cannot apologize, right? <laughs> for the truth is in the word of God. But what we can tell Amen. you is in that there is a blessing. And that's simply to challenge you. It's simply to challenge you. It's to challenge ourselves to continually examine are we in the faith? Are we drinking that, the Jeremy. That's a journey. What, what did it cost John for preaching what he preached? To be exact. Oh, you talking about John the Baptist? John the Baptist, yeah. What did it cost oh, him? Life. Life. That's right. He was, you know, let me say this, and, and I don't mean to be facetious, but, you know, all these prophets that we have today in America, do you know that God, it took 30 years just to prepare John to have a six-month ministry that ultimately would die? Brother Ravenhill used to say many times when people say, I feel like God has called me to be a prophet. Brother Ravenhill, Brother Leonard Ravenhill would say, are you ready for a six-month ministry and then your head being chopped up? Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it's... It, it, <laughs> It, it, it goes beyond <laughs> with, with, oh, Lord. What, what we're declaring, what we're declaring unto you, brothers and sisters. Not something, and, and we keep saying it because we don't find joy in saying it, but this has come through many tears, my brothers. Through self-examination. Yes. We cannot require something of you, my brothers, as ministers of the gospel. And, and, I, and, I, and I pray, and I know that I'm speaking for my brothers, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty. We cannot require or tell you anything that we ourselves, God is not doing. Before we can apply the sword, we need to reapply it to ourselves first. This comes with tears, with fighting. Even something saying, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to preach this word. But you know what? If we don't do it, who will? If we don't do it, then we are rejecting the call of God in our lives in such a time like this. Brothers and sisters, as a shepherd, I tell you, as shepherds, we plead with your soul. We plead with your conscience today, with your spirit. Let us take heed. Remember, this is just for a, for a moment, for a short time. Through the night, joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Amen. And when, Amen. And when we enter those gates, those pearly gates of heaven, as our precious brother Roy did just a couple of days ago, all of this that we have suffered will be nothing in comparison yes. to the joy yes. and to the glory that awaits when we see his face, when we see Jesus. He's the one. Yeah. He's the reason why we live. He's the reason why we preach this gospel. Because he first, right, loved you. That's why we love him. As we go into the weekend, we've had a tremendous time in the Word. 
We pray that you are encouraged. Pray that you stay safe with your family. We pray that we all examine ourselves continually. May God bless you. May God keep you. We love you. Lord willing, we hope to be back with you on Monday. Meanwhile, keep looking up.